we missed a new patron alert last week. The buzzer seems to be on the fritz. Anyway, Kay, welcome to the conspiracy. Okay. Anyway, unless we have nothing else to announce this week, I say we get the episode rolling. Sure. You okay? Am I okay? Yes. You seem perturbed, worried, cautious, even, dare I say, a little paranoid. I'm just trying to work out what your game is, you magnificent bastard. My game? Yes, it's a What the Conspiracy Week, and every time we have one of these episodes, one of us tries to get the other to accidentally reveal a topic ahead of time. So what are you playing at? Don't you think that shtick is getting a little old? I mean, if we do it every time, it does kind of lose its luster. I <laughs> don't think you can play me off with some claim you aren't up to something. I am up to something. I'm trying to get past this intro so we can get to the good stuff. Yeah, I see what you're doing. Past good stuff. You're trying to trip me up to see if I'm going to talk about some putative future conspiracy or some conspiracy of goodness. I've read your dossier. I'm really not. I'm just looking forward to sitting back and finding out the where the conspiracy, the when the conspiracy, and of course, the what the conspiracy. Well, the where it's at, no, no, you can't get me that easily. I wasn't trying to get you. Sure you weren't. Sure you weren't. Look, should we just play the theme and get on with the episode? Okay. This isn't a ruse. Good, because I'm not saying anything. No, it's going to be a very frustrating episode. <laughs> you better believe it. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Addison in Auckland, New Zealand. They are Dr. M. Dentith in Zhuhai, China, sipping warm beer like some sort of an Englishman. It's not warm beer. It's a well, warm, warm whatever it is. vinegar drink, but it is warm. One thing I've discovered about China is that when they think it's getting cold, and it is now autumnal, so it's 22 degrees out today, they turn off the refrigeration units in their convenience stores because you don't need to keep things cold now. When it's cold outside, which means that what I thought was going to be a delicious, cool, refreshing beverage turns out to be a warm, vinegary apple drink, mm. which is not quite what I wanted. But it's what I've got. Yes, tw- 22 degrees is, is sort of pleasantly warm in New Zealand temperatures. There are so, people um, who are rugged up outside because it's mm, cold now. Mm, yep, no, that's, that's what you get. Climate, say. Eh? Good thing they'll never change. Precisely. Mm. So, uh, we have a new patron, we've gone over that. I don't think there's anything else to cover before we start this episode. No, 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 I think we should just get straight into a classic What the Conspiracy episode where you, Joshua, are going to tell me, M, about a conspiracy presumably committed by someone else entirely, or as far some as you know, of people mm. who aren't us. And mm. as you say, as far as I know, I might be wrong about that. Are you about to finally reveal the conspiracy you're involved in? Well, you'll just have to play the sting. And all will be revealed. Mm, fine. It's time to put the fortress up around our hearts once again. It's time to play What the Conspiracy. So, What the Conspiracy, and it's my turn. But of course, it's not. It's, it's your turn. To answer the first question, so before I begin, I'd like your 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 hypothesis 
on when the conspiracy, where the conspiracy, and most importantly, what the conspiracy. Okay, so when the conspiracy, I'm going to say, is after the dawn of human civilization, so sometime last November. The where the conspiracy, I'm going to say, is on the planet Earth, possibly Africa, and the what the conspiracy, it's going to be some kind of revisionist history hijinks or shenanigans. Well, I mean, you're disturbingly close on several fronts, but I I can't help but feeling like you've cheated slightly. The when, it's possibly the 1930s, it's possibly the... Possibly the 1930s. It's possibly the 1700s. Possibly possibly the 1930s, possibly the 1700s. Well, I mean, it kind of depends how how far back you want to go. I know we've talked about the fact we're not particularly good at math, Mm. but from memory, there's quite a long time period between... Well, I mean, depending on how you want to look at it, it could go back to before the beginnings of recorded history. It could be as long as uh, human beings on this planet, which is basically it's a worldwide phenomenon... Uh, have been making music, because this is a musical conspiracy theory. Not like your musical conspiracy theory from last time about a particular band. This is about music in general. Um, I'd like to talk about the 440 Hertz conspiracy. You don't want to talk about the brown note? No, no no brown notes here. Your your bowels are, uh, well, should remain unmolested. No forbidden chords? Uh, not as such, no. No, they do mention the devil's interval or something at one point, I think, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. No, so this is all about all about music and the tuning of instruments. So obviously instruments need to be tuned so that they they stay nice and they kind of need to be tuned consistently, obviously, so that c- certainly the uh, the advent of recorded music has meant that you can record something once and it will sound the same every time you play it forever after. But when it comes to performing music, you do need to make sure that your instruments are tuned kind of the same way if you want to produce the same sound every time. And if you've got a bunch of people performing in a band or even in an orchestra, they all kind of need to be tuned consistently so that they're, they're, all, they're all in harmony with one another. And... It's a little, it's a little bit arbitrary how things are. You know, I mean, maths isn't uh, music. Rather, is, is is maths a little? But there, there's some mathematics involved in music and and the, the 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 intervals and tones and semitones and all that business. But there's still some degree of arbitrariness about how you actually tune a particular note. So, and and you know, there are, there are plenty of options and. Um, as we'll see, people do tune things uh, differently for different circumstances, but there is a standard pitch, which is sometimes called concert pitch, which is, is, has just been decided upon, and we'll get into how and when and why, um, as, as just sort of the standard, just because you need a standard, right? You, it's, it's all a little bit arbitrary in the same way that in New Zealand, the speed limit is 50 kilometers an hour. There's no, no, no mathematical, physical reason why it couldn't have been 49 or 51, but 50 is a nice round number. And so the standard pitch for tuning instruments currently is you start by tuning middle A, which is the A above middle C, to 440 hertz. Now, in fact, I, I have a piano um, in this room. 
If you could hear that, that was me playing middle A on that piano, a, a piano which is old and almost certainly out of tune, so it's possibly not not the best illustration of what I'm talking about. But So that's, that's, that's the standard concert pitch, is you tune middle A to 440 hertz, and then the rest of the notes you tune based on that. Now, like I say, there's... Um, this is just a standard, and there are plenty of other options for how you might want to tune it. And there's a bit of disagreement um, in the music world as to whether or not 440 Hz is the best best pitch to tune at. It's, I mean, it, it is an arbitrary, uh, arbitrary uh, decision, and it's in in what seems to be fairly recent times. Um, I don't think this goes back particularly far. There's been a movement that says specifically says 432 Hz would be uh, the better thing to tune it. Now, to, to give you a bit of an illustration, can you play that first tone? Right, and now the second. Now, possibly you think those two were identical because you heard them just a little bit apart. Play, play them straight one after the other. I think I, I, I could certainly pick up listening to that, that the second one was slightly higher than the first one. That's because the first one was 432 hertz. And the second one was 440 hertz. You heard a 432 hertz tone and then a 440 hertz tone. And um, like that doesn't sound like a big difference, but um, you can, if, if you hear a whole tune uh, or, or, or you know, a, 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 a decent amount of music um, in those two different uh, pitches, you, you can actually hear the difference. Um, if you go on YouTube, you can find, just, just search for 432 hertz on YouTube and you'll find a bunch of examples of this. You can find people, I, I've seen shots of a, a guy uh, play, playing the same tune on his guitar, the first having tuned it at 432 hertz and first having tuned it at 440. And it's a, a definite, there's a difference. People have even gone so far as to, I mean, some, some people think all music should be 432 hertz, whereas 440 is the standard tuning. And some people have gone so far as to actually take take popular songs and actually retune them or pitch shift them or whatever the sound engineering term is to actually shift them down as though they had been tuned at 432 hertz to begin with. And, and again, you, you can hear a difference, but um, some people have fairly strong opinions about which one it should be. And some people think 432 hertz is definitely superior um, having listened to a few tunes where it chops and changes, I mostly kind of find that whichever one I hear first sounds better. You just sort of hear one, tu one, one tune tuned one way, and then when you hear one with the other tuning, it just suddenly f sounds a little bit out of tune compared to the first. But I'm pretty sure if you played them in the opposite order, it would sound the other way around. And it's a little bit, I think the it depends a bit on the music as well, I think, for sort of louder... Uh, music, the 440 can be a bit better, and for more sedate music, the 432 and what have you. But some people go a bit more, it's, it's more than just a matter of of personal preference. Some people think that, that 432 hertz is, has a significance all its own, which is the reason why we We're should be using it. We're getting into numerology and alchemy now. Uh, numerology will feature into it, yes, yeah, there's there's a bit of that. But it's also, it, it, it is very new agey, I'll give you that. Um, 432 hertz is supposedly the beat of the earth. It's the natural tuning of the universe. Listening to a 432 hertz tone has healing properties or meditative properties. Now, the earth does have, the earth's magnetic field resonates at a, about 8 hertz, and 432 is a multiple of 8, so that's something. 432 is indeed numerologically interesting. Uh, it's the sum of four consecutive primes. 
I mean, that is actually meaningless, but at the same time, it sounds important. Yeah, I, I didn't think it deserved that at all. You yeah, know, 103 plus 107 plus 109 plus 113 comes sums to 432. It is three gross. I don't see why that's important. A gross is a fairly arbitrary measurement. Um, apparently, if you if you have an equilateral triangle whose area and perimeter are equal, the area and perimeter of that triangle will be the square root of 432. But that's, yes, that's that's if, if you're into that sort of thing. There, there are also claims that um, various famous historical composers plus more modern musicians all tuned their instruments to 432 because they knew it gave the best sound and what have you. So, so far, so interesting, I suppose. Yes, I mean, so far what you're discussing here is there's a kind of social contract that we tune things in a particular way. It's arbitrary. Some people have found numerological significance to one of these particular tones. That numerological significance seems absolutely pointless, but I'm not seeing a conspiracy here. Yes, you're quite right, because the conspiracy is this. The conspiracy is that the reason why we decided on 440 hertz as the standard tuning for, for modern music is because of the Nazis. Yes, the Nazis deserve the sting. So supposedly, Joseph Goebbels in particular and the Nazi party were the ones who advocated for a 440 hertz tuning. Um, supposedly, the, 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 the more discordant 440 hertz tuning makes people more aggressive and easier to manipulate. And depending who you listen to, the good old the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. You say Rothschild or Rothschild? Well, I've always said Rothschild. Hmm, I think that I, I think I think that's Indeed. actually more I mean, correct. But Rothschild is more German. But, by David you know. Icke. I'm fairly sure he says Rothschild as well. But I'm also well, not going to say that David Icke is an authority. Yes, I was going to say if you can't take David Icke's word, that he. He claims that alien shape-shifting lizards, who are definitely not evil Jews, even though often they feature as evil Jews in his story about alien shape-shifting lizards. Yes, no. So, so apparently, yeah, the, the reason why we use this 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 tuning, which is not only inferior, not only missing out on these healing properties that it could have had if we'd gone for four thirty-two hertz, but is actually destructive for society, is because of the Nazis. Now, it is true that there was an international conference in London in nineteen thirty-nine, just a few months before. World War II kicked off. So basically when the Nazis were, I guess you could say, at the height of their power, things kind of went downhill a little bit after the war started. That was when it was decided on that, that, that 440 hertz would be the international standard. So the time frame is kind of there. And this this is something that's been talked about a little bit. Um, I, I In looking this up, I found there's a recent documentary called Oh, It Hurts, with Hertz being the H-E, not the H-U Hertz. Hilarious. Hilarious. By a man called Gunnar Hall Jensen, uh, premiered at a film festival back in October of this year. I mean, it seemed, it, the documentary itself seems to be mostly just about sound and and the sensation of sound and the history of sound and stuff like that. But at some one point they do, in the trailer, they mention people wanting to use sound as a weapon and this theory that the Nazis had been behind the the popular tuning of um, uh, of, of music in the current age, but as I've as I've sort of read around trying to find a bit more details on this theory, it seems everything comes back to a paper called Musical History and Cult Control, which was written by a Dr. Leonard Horowitz uh, not too long ago. 
Um, I, I've I've found the text of the paper. It doesn't have a date on it precisely. It has references to things that were written in 2010, so it's at least more recent than that. A, one link to it linked to a, a web archive link, which was from 2012, so maybe that's the earliest version of it. But So it's early, early 2010s is when this paper came out, and apparently it's also a chapter in his book, The Big 528, Prosperity Key of Love. 528 is another number that he's interested in. He's interested in numbers, uh, is Dr. Horowitz. We'll get into that. Um, and he's an interesting fellow, Dr. Leonard Horowitz. Uh, apparently his doctorate is in dentistry, but he has retired from dentistry to uh, pursue a new life as the nemesis of Big Pharma. Now, I'm thinking you mean the, pharma- the pharmaceutical Pharmaceuticals, not, not people who work on farms. No, A no, giant no. farmer, because if he's the enemy of Big Pharma, so who's Big Pharma's name? That is Big Pharma's. Yes, a big, big farmer would have to have a very big pitchfork, exceptionally large tractor. I wouldn't want to tangle with that. But no, the big uh, anti-Big Pharmaceuticals, um, he is a Christian spiritualist who believes in the healing power of sound and always writes love in all caps for some reason, but that's really, that's neither here nor there. You mean he writes love? Mm. He is, in his own words, a highly credentialed vaccine industry investigator, and along with his associate Sherry Kane, uh, who is apparently a Fox News defector and investigative journalist, uh, the two of them together are apparently Big Farmers Bonnie and Clyde. I'm not quite sure. So these, these these analogies are so she defected from Fox News. Yes, and I now she's the Bonnie and Clyde of the farmer industry. So they're going around in a car killing people, uh, something or robbing like people. That? I don't are they know. robbing on behalf of Big? Pharma, or are they robbing Big Pharma? I think they're very they... definitely against Big Pharma. We'll, we'll actually we'll get into are they also the, dead? the sorts have of they, things. Have they been shot to death? Not as yet. Not so as far how as are I they know. the Bonnie and Clyde? I don't know because Big Pharma think they're evil and they're a man and a woman, and Bonnie and, Bonnie and Clyde were a man and a woman, and and people thought they were bad. I mean, this is as weird as saying yes, he's the Ed Gein of the of mm. pharmaceuticals. You end up going, I don't. I think you've just taken famous criminal and said, mm. oh, I'm famous too, without going, and they what think does I'm analogy bad, actually but... entail? Anyway, so yeah, everything seems to come back to this paper. And it, it makes for an interesting read in places. Um, so he starts by basically trying to establish the case that that sound and, and music and vibration um, can have an effect on physiology, which I guess is is true, but um, as he puts it, water, nearly 80% of human body weight, is a liquid crystal superconductor. Structured water science, as well as the field of electrogenetics, proves the thesis adequately, given light, photons, and sound, phonons, have been shown to signal communications within and between cells via a liquid crystal proteoglycan matrix in cells and tissues. This strongly evidences the theory of hydrosonic creationism involving DNA and structured water. Thus, biocreation and health restoration may have more to do with frequencies of sound energy or music than has been thought. Now, I just want to interject here and say it's a really good thing that there aren't any biologists listening to this podcast because I suspect if there was a hypothetical biologist who say lives in Wellington, New Zealand, listening to what you just described there, it is quite possible her head 
this is her hypothetical head may have just exploded at this particular point in time. Right. Well, um, I would advise that hypothetical biologist to buckle in because it's it, it, it only gets bigger from here. Um, actually, there there is there, there's a line in the book of Genesis about God's breath moving on the waters or something, isn't there? I have there a, is, yes. Yeah, I have a feeling he may be sort of coming from that angle to it as well. But you know, he, he doesn't mention that specifically in this paper. But um, then he sees it talks about that. Then he talks about the 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 the, the conspiratorial history of well, the world, basically. Uh, he says, throughout history, there have been persons of wealth and power engaged in war-making, profiteering, and various methods of population control. In 1770, for instance, Maya Amschel Bauer, a.k.a. Rothschild, developed plans for the creation of the Illuminati, advancing the mission of global domination through a network of central banks that his family and their silent partners controlled. Uh, so things start getting uh, overtly conspiratorial, as he says. We are engaged in a conspiracy reality in which ultimate power and control is waged bioenergetically, i.e. biospiritually, through frequency modulations or electromagnetic manipulations affecting consciousness and impacting biology, physiology, and human behavior. More specifically, he says that between World Wars I and II accelerating during the 1930s, scientific studies and musical frequencies best suited for war-making were funded by the Rothschild-Rockefeller Alliance, represented by the Rockefeller Foundation and the U.S. Navy. And so he talks, he talks about the, um, the, the, the effect. I mean, it's certainly, th- there's no denying that, that sound and music especially has an effect on us. I mean, we wouldn't listen to it otherwise. Music can stir emotions. It can make us feel certain ways. It can make us feel good. It can make us feel bad. He, he, he goes even further and says that um, the, the, the whole the development of, of music and, and the, the, the riling up of the masses through these discordant tones, he says, these revelations best account, best account for the mass hysteria demonstrated by audiences responding to rock and rollers, initially Elvis Presley, followed by the British invaders. It was recently revealed that the Beatles were barred from performing in Israel following an investigation that prompted the Education Ministry to conclude the Beatles' performances caused, quote, hysteria and mass disorder. There is no musical artistic experience here, but a sensual display that arouses feelings of aggression replete with sexual stimuli. Now, apparently that's actually true. I looked that up. The Beatles were indeed banned from Israel, uh, and it's apparently because Israel was 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 afraid of the hysteria and the mass disorder they would cause with their racy, sex-charged anthems like "I Want to Hold Your Hand." That's essentially pure pornography. I'm sure you'll agree. So, you, so he talks about the history of 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 sound and of music and, and so on and so forth. And then we start actually getting into the. Um, so he refers to A equals 440 hertz, this being the tuning of middle A to 440 hertz. Uh, he says, in 1910, motivated by a grant provided by the Rockefeller Foundation for the American Federation of Musicians, the initial effort to institute A equals 440 hertz standard tuning had limited success in America. In Europe, the initial effort had near zero impact. Additional promotions were needed to secure the music world's acceptance of A equals 440 hertz that was perceived as less pleasant or dull when compared with other frequencies described below. 
Ironically, and most revealing about the Anglo-American cartel arrangement, to persuade European musicians to accept this tuning and the British Standards Institute, BSI, adoption of it in 1939, Rockefeller Rothschild black op officials employed Nazi Party propagandist Joseph Goebbels. At that time, Goebbels was advancing to become England's greatest media nemesis. So there we get the Nazis coming into it. Uh, prodded by those evil Rockefellers and Rothschilds. And their black ops teams. And their black ops teams. And so then we then we get into a lot of description about why 440 hertz is very bad and why a better, uh, a different frequency would be better. <clears throat> so at one point he says, um, according to preliminary research, analysis and professional discussions by Walton Curler-Reed and others on the web, and there's a list of references to all that, uh, a equals 440 frequency music conflicts with human energy centers, i.e. chakras, from the heart to the base of the spine. Alternatively, chakra, chakras above the heart are stimulated. Theoretically, the vibration stimulates ego and left brain functions, suppressing the heart-mind intuition and creative inspiration. Not coincidentally, metaphysically, the interval between A equals 440 Hz and a equals 444 hertz is classically known as the devil's interval in musicology. Due to its highly aversive, disharmonious sound made when these two notes are played simultaneously. Uh, now, he's, he's talking about the difference between 440 and 444 because he thinks 444 is the ideal frequency for the world. So now, if you could play uh, that tone number two... That's your 440. Now play tone number three. Do you, do you feel more harmonious and at peace with the universe having listened to that second one, which I can now reveal is 444 hertz? I'll play the second one again just to check. And you, when I hear the third one, I think... And so I can't help but think that it... Yes. Yeah, so, so then we get into why... Uh, 444 is the best. Um, so he's, he's already talked about how 440 disrupts your chakra. How are your chakras feeling now? It's spiky. I've possibly been jiggled around a bit by it's playing spiky. the evil 440 and the good 444. But um, uh, So he, he, he's decided 444 is the best. He compares 444 to the preferred 432 of some people and to basically say that they, that they are ha um, harmonically related and uh, therefore, and both reportedly um, therapeutic. Now, you can prove that 444 and 432 are uh, uh, harmonic because um, he or he, the, a tuning where A is 444 makes the next C 528. And 528, if you'll recall, was the title of his, of his book, the book of 528, Prosperity, Key of Love. So I think 528 is the, it seems to be his, his ideal one, but it's on the correct tuning if you have A equals 444. But um, just if, if, if you don't believe that uh, 444 and 432 are naturally harmonious, just get a load of this. Prove the harmony yourself by simply subtracting 432 from 40, 444. It yields 12, where 1 plus 2 equals 3 in Pythagorean math. Now, Take 528 and subtract 444, and you also get 12, or 3. Next, take 528 and subtract 432 to get 96, where 9 plus 6 equals 15, and 1 plus 5 equals 6. The result is identical to 5 plus 2 plus 8 equals 15, or 6. Now, he does miss a couple of steps there, because for a second I was like, hang on, you take... That definitely is number wang. That's yeah, 528, number 528 minus 444 
is not 12. But then I, I, I got out my handy calculator. It's 84. 8 plus 4 is 12. 1 plus 2 is 3. So, I mean, I, I assume I've convinced you now that um, these numbers are, 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 are essentially identical. Um, and uh, he says, notice the set of numbers, 3s, 6s, 9s, and 8s, are always exclusively represented by these special natural pure tones, their scales and their harmonics. This is precisely what Leonardo da Vinci's mentors emphasized about cosmic scales and mathematics. Nikola Tesla, too, taught his students about this unique set of numbers and always applied this math in his research and inventions, including free energy machines, also suppressed by the same petrochemical pharmaceutical corporatists that advanced A equals 440 hertz standard tuning and nuclear energy. This, at this point, um, maybe, maybe this hasn't interested you up to uh, this point, but um, here's where he starts getting into epistemology. So here, I think, is where, where your world is about to be turned upside down. Because uh, a man called Tobias, whose reference I can't be bothered going down to look up, in the context of reviewing Rockefeller Foundation and U.S. Navy funding for militaristic music, wrote, In the course of this large-scale historical transition in which bioinformatic epistemologies drew from and displaced bioenergetic ones, Historically, visual music theorists have attributed such attempts at writing sound in magnetic, electrical, electronic, or digital media as indebted to a larger history of color organs, alchemy, or Pythagorean or neo-Pythagorean epistemologies. Here, though, we see the tensions in clear detail. At stake is a historical transition between essentially bioenergetic epistemologies after Helmholtz and bioinformatic epistemologies emerging with Turing, Wiener, or Shannon. So there you go. I hope you're incorporating bioenergetic epistemologies and bioinformatic epistemologies into your work uh, from this point on. Well, I, I have to say my, my world is shook. I am mm. shaken. I, I probably have to give up being an epistemologist now because I, I feel that what you've just said is nonsense. And obviously, these esteemed people writing on the power of numbers know a lot more about the world than I do. So obviously, the fact that I've seen their work as nonsense indicates that I am the charlatan. I am the fraudster. They are the warrors. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Mm. You know who else is, the, is, is, a, is a fraudster? And, uh, is it Elon um, Musk? Uh, probably, but not because of anything we've got here. I'll give you a guess who his, um, one of his recent targets were. People who've um, possibly turned their minds towards debunking certain things in, in more recent times due to a television show that the pair of them produced Oh, they don't like Penn and Teller. They don't like Penn and Teller. No, so after, after all your numerology and your bioinformatic epistemologies and what have you, he gets back to um, the, the, the US Navy's musical manipulations and all the bad things they wanted to do. Um, and then he gets on to the Rockefeller Foundation and eugenics where he says the Rockefeller Foundation has been a prime sponsor of the United Nations depopulation program, terminating 6 billion people on Earth as their current objective. Although most people find this hard to believe, thanks to media propaganda, massive depopulation is being advanced by the world's wealthiest industrialists, among them Bill Gates, who promotes poisonous vaccinations he lectures will reduce nearly 900 million people in the coming years, as shown in the documentary, the documentary film Farmer Whores, the Showtime Sting of Penn and Teller. So, Farmer Whores. Farmer Whores. That, that's Farmer Whores with a PH rather than... With, with a WH, yes, yes. Although they shake. You can also see, you can also do Farmer Whores, which actually turns mm. out to be Farmer Hose, which well, is actually was... all another way that farmers use hose to hose the ground. Yes. 
there's got to be a way of working in the old Simpsons clip about here we go to a sex farm for sex hookers. But I keep telling you, we just save sorghum here. Where do you keep the hookers? Round back? No. Round anyway, back. Um, back. no. So this, this, I had to. This, he just drops it in as a reference here, but I had to look this up. Um, so Farmer Whores, the Showtime Sting of Penn and Teller, is a documentary uh, Dr. Horowitz and company have produced. A big anti-farmer documentary, or a big anti-big farmer documentary. Um, now, on, on the IMDb reference uh, entry for it, it has a trailer, which uh, is nine minutes long, which made me wonder if it was the entire film, but I don't think it is. Um, and it's it, basically what happened was Pitt and Teller were one, I don't know exactly what they were talking about specifically. I think um, this guy obviously being anti-vaccine and so on puts a lot of stock in, in your sort of colloidal silvers and, and weird things that you can take to make yourself healthy that aren't vaccines. Um, and so they they had organised him to be interviewed. Now, obviously, when Penn and Teller, when they do these interviews, Penn and Teller don't go on and interview the people because that would kind of tip them off what the heck's going on. They'd send, just send out a production, a production crew from the Showtime network. Um, but they, having been asked for this interview, had basically worked out that they were going to be interviewed to appear on Penn and Teller's bullshit and realised that Penn and Teller were wanting to make fun of them and their beliefs. So they basically set up a... As they said, they they, they they set up a counter sting for the sting. So basically, um, having they went, they had had footage of them. They went to some of Penn and Teller's shows and got them to sign T-shirts for them, which they then went and had printed on top saying "farmer whore, pharmaceutical whore" for something like that. Basically, they they took a Penn and Teller T-shirt and um, printed extra uh, uncomplimentary things about it on it. Um, and so when, the, the, when this camera crew arrived, uh, Dr. Horowitz had his own camera crew there to film the filmers and had set up, made, made sure they had great, that he, he put pictures all over the wall saying all these people wanted for genocide, which were all the usual, your Soros's and your Rockefellers and the Queen of England and so on and so forth. He had all sorts of stuff there and was very pleased with himself. And um, and basically, so the, the showdown crew, they, they talk about some stuff, they look at it and the guy says, okay, we're just going to go out and check on some stuff. And then basically just leg it. He he goes out to them in their car and he's like, "Are you guys leaving?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, we called we called home office and yeah, no, we don't we don't want to be on camera." And I, it, I mean, I kind of see his point a little bit. He's like, you know, you you wanted me to be on camera for possibly nefarious purposes, but you you can you can give it, but you can't take it. And they're like, "Yeah, no, we're we're not we're not going to do this." Well, essentially, they they realised the jig was up, and I guess obviously they weren't going to come up. I mean, I, I would have thought surely a, a decent storyteller would be able to take that and spin an interesting episode out of it, but I guess they realised they weren't going to get the material they were wanting to get for the episode of bullshit that they were filming, so they just um, legged it. And of course, Doctor Horowitz showed, uh, portrayed that as a as a massive win for him, and I. Certainly, the way he he, he does it, he, he comes off looking better than them. But he sort of he's he's very smug that look aha he he tricked them he 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 stung the stingers. So his his um, interaction with the Penn and Teller crew uh, is the only thing shown in this trailer, um, including a, a lot of footage directly from the Penn and Teller's bullshit show. He keeps having clips from them and has the theme music of it playing all the way through, which. I, there were a couple of comments under it for the movie, and they're basically like, "I'm pretty sure this is massive copyright violation, given that you use the theme show for the the theme song from their show the entire way through the film, and have lots and lots and lots of footage from the show." But anyway, that was just a digression. Although that might be one of those cases where 
the people who made the documentary might go, yeah, but it doesn't matter because if they bring it up, then they have to show that we showed them up. So they're more likely to ignore our copyright infringement here because otherwise they have to recognize that they tried to sting us and we stung them in return and they couldn't take being stung. Mm. Anyway, so, so basically there's, there, there's a lot. This is, this is a long paper. It goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. But I think you've, you've pretty much heard, I think you've pretty much got the gist of it. So it concludes as follows. He says, Many musicians, mathematicians, physicians, physicians, physicists, and even geneticists now celebrate the emergence of truth about A equals 440 hertz, or C5 equals 528 hertz, as an apparent carrier wave of love, again all caps, broadcasting universally from the heart of the electromagnetic energy matrix. The vast majority of objective investigators now view these revelations as an opportunity to rediscover our spiritual roots in music in accordance with an accelerating spiritual renaissance. The emergence of this knowledge is perfectly timed to remedy otherwise impossible problems imposed on the world by unelected leaders of economic and geopolitical chaos. Thus, musicians, vocalists, and audiences are urged to discuss these findings, reject the militarization of music that has been secretly administered, and retune instruments' voices and ears to the frequencies most sustaining and healing. Restoring integrity to the performing arts and scientists this way will impact populations most beneficially. And then he talks about a not-for-profit service operating by donation to provide A equals 444 hertz frequency transpositions of every genre of music as apparently under construction. It's, and he links to the Healthy World Revolution, which goes to healthyworldorganization.org, which when you click on the link brings up a page entirely in Russian, which makes me think perhaps he forgot to renew his, his uh, domain name and now it's just a spam site, but... That happens a lot. Mm, mm. So that's his um, that's his argument for the fact that 440 Hz is an evil conspiracy that's been foisted upon us by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds using the Nazis as their as their tools to make us more compliant. To make us more compliant. Now, I'm sure you're wondering right now: could this be true? Is there? No, I'm, is I'm there... actually not. I'm not. I'm not wondering that at all. But let's pretend I am. Yeah, no, I, I know I've sowed the seeds of doubt. You may not be able to admit it to yourself, but you're there. But don't worry, because I can tell you that that, in short, no, none of this is true. Because, um, first of all, the use of 440 hertz, while it's true, there was that uh, conference in 1939, just before the start of the Second World War. Uh, where 440 hertz was sort of adopted as a standard, it had been used in various places and in various times all over the place. So the the history of of standard tuning apparently is fairly fairly all over the place, hence the need to adopt a standard eventually. Apparently um, in the Baroque period, 415 hertz was the standard tuning, although, again, that was a little bit tricky because the Baroque period, which I think went from sort of the mid-1600s to partway through the 1700s, it wasn't until 1711 that the tuning fork was invented. So that's when it became possible to actually sort of be a bit consistent in your tuning. Um, going by the tuning forks that Mozart used, um, he tuned to f- about 421, 422 hertz. You had issues with what they called pitch inflation, which sounds a little dirty, but um, what it actually was was in the 19th century, people found you got a better sound from uh, the, the more the more tension was on a string, the better sound it gave. But obviously, the more tension you put on a string, the higher it goes. So you can counteract that by having a thicker string that you put more tension on. But then thick strings are more expensive, and so essentially, to, to suppose you get a bit of sound, orchestras started tuning higher and higher and higher. 
um, until apparently the singers, the opera singers, were complaining that uh, music was tuned too high. And so then they now I've this is all a little bit hard to tell because sort of the the, the, the terminology and what have you isn't what we use today. And you can like like I like if you have a tuning fork from the period, you can find out and so on. So it's a little bit contradictory. Some people say in 1859 France was using 435 hertz. Um, but then someone else said that in 1885 they were using 432 and Italy was using 435 hertz. But at that stage in 1885, the Italian government decided on a 440 hertz tuning fork as being the standard. In Britain, for a while, it was 439 due to some sort of a misunderstanding, apparently, about the French. They tried to copy the French one, but did it differently, or I don't even know what was going on there. Well, that is a very British thing to do, though. Supposedly... <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. There was some misunderstanding about how I, 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 some, there was some some comment about whether the strings were wet or dry or something like that. They, they, they apparently they misunderstood slightly the method by which the French had uh, arrived at their standard and tried to do the same thing, but ended up doing a different thing. Now, in either 1926 or 1936, I've seen two different dates. Uh, the American Standards Association adopted 440 hertz. So that was that was the twenties. Uh, the British actually adopted 440 hertz themselves as the standard in 1938, and there were issues around the fact that um, for, back to your not actually numero numerology, actual mathematical concerns, uh, using 439 hertz as a standard. 439 is a prime number, and when you come to electronically generate frequencies, having a prime in there actually made things a little bit trickier. So. They had, they had actual mathematical reasons for wanting to, to bump it up to 440. Uh, but anyway, then, then you had the infamous conference in 1939 where an international organization decided 440 hertz would be the standard. And finally, this was codified by the International Organization for Standardization in 1955 and actually made part of the standard ISO, the ISO 16 standard in 1975, established 440 hertz as the standard. So it's the history, it's all over the place, basically. And so, so to actually point at that one time um, at, when the Nazis could have been involved doesn't, doesn't, isn't exceptionally significant. Um, another thing, of course, is as I said at the beginning, not everyone uses 440 hertz anyway. Um, 440 hertz is kind of the standard for commercially produced contemporary music. But um, despite it being called concert pitch, many orchestras use a different pitch. Um, apparently, the, the New York Philharmonic uses 442. The Boston Symphony Orchestra uses 441. Uh, there are various symphonies in Europe that use 443 or 444. Um, and because, as I say in previous times, they've used different tunings all over the place, sometimes when people want to make sure that the piece, the, the, the music they're performing, will sound the same as it was when it was first performed, will tune their use the same tuning as whatever was being used at that time. So it's it's a little bit all over the place and still a little bit arbitrary. And someone else has pointed out... ignoring the elephant in the room, which is that Western scales are not necessarily the scales that are used outside the West anyway. Well, exactly, yeah. Uh, even more than that, for while you can bring up all sort of, sorts of numerological um, significance of various numbers, Hertz is still that number per second, and there isn't really anything significant about the second. It's it's a sort of you know arbitrary uh, uh, was it Sumerians I can't remember who first divided up time that way and they just kind of did and these days it's you know what, what what's a second it's like you know point 
some some massively long decimal number. A, I think it's vibe. one one vibration of a cesium atom. Uh, it's it's not exactly yeah it's it's cesium atoms, but it's it's like something point blah 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 blah. It's a, a ridiculously long floating point number. So yes, it's all very arbitrary in that case. Um, and then the other thing is, so play play one of those tones. Take your pick. Which one was that? That was number one. So that's your four thirty two. So. Have you ever heard a song that sounds like that? I mean, that that is that is a pure tone, but no actual musical note played on any instrument or produced by any human voice actually sounds like that. When you have an instrument that's tuned to four forty, when you play that note, four forty. So look at the spectrogram of frequencies it produces. Four forty might be the biggest one, kind of in the middle, but it's a whole range of frequencies produced by any sound because um, basically individual tones themselves. Uh, are just just part of the picture. Um, and indeed, I was listening to a podcast a while back, and I actually can't remember which podcast it was now, talking about the way that we generate tones and how by actually changing the number... So, I mean, a tone is basically a series of beats, as you say, played very quickly. And so you can actually make a tone... So you can make, make, make a tone sound different by increasing or decreasing the intervals between the beats. I mean, if we're talking about resonances and sounds and the like, as you say, the Hertz thing is ever so slightly weird because the what we're looking at is kind of an arbitrary... Oh, we've decided that X number of tones in X number of... Se- oh, sorry, subdivision of a second, but a second itself is a completely arbitrary invention. Mm. Yes, I mean, people are looking for significance um, in these things, um, but when you come down to it, it's um, it's all just a little bit arbitrary, and uh, I think in, in terms of music in general, it's all just a little bit little bit subjective and, and just down to individual preference. So maybe you might want to go out and look up your favourite songs and see if someone's produced a 432 version of them. You might find it better. You might find it worse. You might actually not notice a difference unless you play the two of them side by side. But um, that is the 440 hertz conspiracy theory. Well, I have to say, I don't think it's very likely as conspiracies go. Well, possibly not. No, you're not. But um... it is very interesting. Mm. In part, I suppose because it's someone kind of backporting their own particular theory about something they think is really important about the world, which is the number of love, and then trying to find a way of going, well, why don't we love one another? Oh, it must be due to an ancient Jewish conspiracy involving the Nazis. That's the reason why there's so much conflict in the world. Well, how can we explain that? Oh, there was this conference in London just before World War II where some people decided that arbitrarily a concert tone for certain performers would be this particular thing here. Oh, well, that's probably the explanation as to why we had a world war. Mm. Case closed. Mm. Case closed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I should say I've seen nothing that that would give any sort of evidence for how the Nazis in, influenced these things. It's simply stated that they did and the timeline matches, but that's... That's literally all there is to it. So, yes, it's always fun looking at these sorts of things. I hope I didn't short-circuit too many brains with your liquid crystal proteoglycan matrixes and the cells and your bioinformatic epistemologies or what have you. But, um, and those bioenergetic epistemologies. Mm, mm. Very important to be energetic mm. in your biological functionings whilst performing your epistemologies. I do it all mm. the time. I know, as well you should. Uh, so that's the end of this episode. 
we of course are about to go and record a bonus episode. What are we going to be talking about? Well, our bonus episode this week is primarily going to be talking about Abby Richards' 2021 version of the conspiracy chart. Now, historically, I didn't think much of the conspiracy chart when it appeared in 2020, but there's a glaring issue with the 2021 version that we're going to talk about, and we should probably also talk about some local political news back home in Aotearoa, New Zealand, which is the the very quick demise of one Judith Collins, leader, or now former leader, former leader. of the opposition, mm. which there are conspiracy theories about exactly what went down, and they're all kind of interesting. Mm. So if you'd like to find out what's wrong with that upside-down triangle full of conspiracies um, and you're a patron, and then just listen in to the bonus episode that's going to be coming your way very shortly. Uh, if you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com and search for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, and you'll find us just perfectly easily. And if you don't want either of those things, uh, g- good day to you, quite frankly. We're glad you yes, listen good in. Day. But, good um, day. Here, I said here, good day, sir. Yes. You're going to wait for me to say something? No, you're not going to interrupt with another I said, Okay, that's fine. Good, good, good. Yep, so anyway, end of an episode, uh, and I will end this episode in the traditional method by simply saying goodbye. Good day, sir. You've been listening to Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com.